Thank you for joining us today. This is Clint Byers, lead pastor of Forward Church. I pray this message blesses and encourages you. I hope it inspires transformative grace in your heart and establishes you even deeper in your new covenant identity in Christ. Now take a deep breath, become aware of God's spirit within you, and enjoy the message. The organized church has done a disservice to people by not creating an environment of intimacy with Jesus. You know, I think we've done a disservice to people by preachers trying to be the Holy Spirit or trying to be so cautious with the Holy Spirit for other people that the church is rendered inactive. And, you know, I'm, I'm talking about myself. I'm talking about you. I'm talking about you watching online. I'm talking about the whole church at large, you know. And, and so it's, it's paradoxical in that we're free from performance because we're accepted in Him, right? We're free from having to earn or attain to righteousness because He's given it to us in Him. And the thing that God wants most from us is us to just acknowledge Him as our Lord and our God and, and, and enjoy this relationship that we have with Him and allow the fruit of righteousness and holiness to be birthed within us to the point that we reflect Him. And so it's paradoxical in the sense that you rest, but a believer that knows their identity in Christ should be more active than any other type of believer. Because now we realize, man... You know, it, it's kind of like uh, spreading the message of freedom, you know, when the slaves were set free or when we won independence or in any, any, any historical uh, time when people didn't know of the victory of their nation or of their whatever the laws would pass. You know, it takes a while for that to get out there. And that's where the church is. You know, the church, we don't know how free we are. We really don't because well-meaning leaders in the church are worried to death that you might sin and it might look bad on them. You're going to sin. Is that okay? No. Is it, there's, do we live in this realm of permissiveness because we're free in Him? No. It, it's, again, there's, it's paradoxical. You know, when Paul preached the gospel, the legalist would come to him and say, are you saying that Sin is of no consequence and we should continue in sin because we're free, because we're under grace? He's like, no. Where'd you get that dumb idea? We're under grace. Don't you know that we're under grace? We are now under a relationship with God Almighty in which He has put His laws in us, on your new heart, His Spirit in you, leading you and guiding you. You know, they used to be written externally on stone and on paper, and you'd have to go, look, what does God want? Oh, right there. Now it's in you. We don't have an excuse to not follow God other than our excuses. And we got a bunch of them. I was praying about this message, and a, and a phrase came to me, especially in the U.S., most of the persecution that we face is self-inflicted. Most of the challenges to our own faith that we face is self-inflicted. Most of the persecution that we face is due to our poor choices. Not because of something that is actually hindering us from expressing our faith. You know, I was reading an article this weekend in, in China and the government of China is suppressing children's right to faith. All faiths, but especially Christianity. You know, those kids are being told, you can only express your faith through the government-sanctioned way. And I don't really understand what all that, how that lays itself out. I do know that I'm hearing stories of the government over there going and pulling pictures down of Jesus in people's homes and putting them up of... Xi Ping, is that how you say his name? Somebody tell me how you say his name. You smart people. Mike, you probably know. Xi Jinping. Like I'm not trying to be disrespectful. I just I call him what? Charlie? Charlie? Ooh, I don't know about that one. That might be. I'm sure that'll offend somebody. 
<laughs> Charlie? Oh, yeah. So, I mean, I'm kind of just, you know, you guys have caught me on a weekend where there's a lot in my mind and in my heart, and I'm kind of just getting this stuff out. I do, I do have a message. I want to look at a particular passage in here, but where I want to go today is talking about living a purpose-filled life. This is, so this would be number two in this particular series, Purpose-Filled Life. And last week, we kind of came down to this question, why do you get out of bed every day? What purpose What's your purpose? Where, what, are you, what are you aiming at? What is the target that you are aiming at and trying to hit? You know, so a little bit of backtrack. <clears throat> purpose, your purpose. So in other words, why God created you? Because you're here because he gave you life, right? Like he sent that spirit into this earth for you to be you. He knew you before you were in your mother's womb. He is sovereign in that realm he's here as well but he's given us temporary dominion over this planet till he restores all things and this world's kingdom is passed back to him uh praise god for that day that's coming but uh so in other words when god was blueprinting in heaven about your life and he put you in this time in the family that he put you in and i realize some of you might feel like you need to go have a word with the lord about this particular family that you might have been put in you, why did, anyway, I'm going to keep going. But, you know, the why for him was he created all things for his good pleasure. And it's also his good pleasure to give you his kingdom. God is a father. What God wants to do, the reason God made you is so that he could have you as his child and to give you his kingdom. That's why we have kids, right? We want a family. We want a family. Unless you're farmers, you need some work hands. You know, I, I get that. There's always that joke, and, but whatever. God wanted a family. And we talk about that all the time. You know, and the reason I hit those points so hard is so that you will detach from this external approach to God as if he's out there and you're trying to get to him and he's elusive and you're not quite sure how to get the things from him that he says that you can have in Christ, right? It's like, no, just forget all that. God is your father, and it is his good pleasure to give you his kingdom. Jesus inherited all things, and he shares it with you. You are a joint heir with Christ. Amen? Amen. Now, you still have your heart and your mind to work out to be influenced by what he's done in your spirit to reflect that in this earth, there's still transformation that we're experiencing. It doesn't mean you can continue in sin because you're right with God. That's irresponsible and it hardens your heart. And it might even bring you to the place where you forfeit your faith. But the why that he created you is so that you can just know that he is your child and experience the blessing of receiving his kingdom in Christ. And so when, you, when you're wondering why and where and when and how and what and all the stuff that we get tripped up by with life and we get offended at God, remember that. He's your father. He just wants you and his family. But now that you're here and now that you know who he is and you see the state of the world, we got some work to do, don't we? All right, so last week we went through Romans 12. It's basically a list of facets and places within the body. You know, that, that's how I see what's happening right now. God wins. His kingdom prevails. To the increase of his kingdom, there shall be no end. In Christ, it's already finished, and the expression of it and the full establishment of it is happening. There may be a few bad years on this earth in between now and then, but God wins. His kingdom will prevail. prevail. Amen? So... As his kingdom is increasing to the degree that it can and, and, and we participate in, he's building his body. He's building his church. Say, I am his church. I am part of the body of Christ. I am important. Because you are. No matter how seemingly insignificant your role may be, it's incredibly important. Reese is on, my, on the shotgun team. Yay, Reese, at school. People are like, his school's got a shotgun team? Yeah, they do. And uh, he cleaned his gun, 
uh, for, he had a tournament yesterday, which something clicked. I'm proud of him to watch him. He went to a whole nother level. It, it was fun. Anyway, yeah. He's only been doing it about a year and a half now. Um, so anyway, he cleaned his gun, and it's got this thing that does this, you know. I don't know the technical part. Inside, what do you call that? He doesn't know either. <laughs> but he has to take the whole gun apart, which he's learned how to do, and clean different parts of it. And there's a part that slides down in that, you know, I don't know. I, I'm really ignorant about gun. Huh? A bore? Okay. I'll, I'll believe you. But anyway, so there's a, there's a pin that holds this little arm that goes into this tiny little cone, and you got to get it lined up perfectly. Well, that pin fell out on him. We'd never taken that pin out that holds that arm on. And so he, and he didn't know. We didn't know. So when he, he was like, oh, that, so he picked that thing up, put the pin back in, put the arm, you know, put it through back the arm, and, but it got turned around. So when we, he was shooting, his gun seized up, and he had to use somebody else's gun, and he was shooting sporting clays, which is different stations in the woods, and he had to use somebody else's gun. But then the coach looked at it, who's taken that same gun, that same model apart so many times, and he looked at it, he's like, did you guys take this apart? That looks backwards right there. I'm like, but a trained eye spotted, spotted it like that, you know. But just one little pin got turned around the wrong way, and it caused the entire gun not to work. And so then everybody was all backed up. All the other stations are coming, you know, and we're like, I get a little panicked. Reese is over there, cool as a cucumber. I mean, he never gets shaken. All the coaches were calm, and I'm like, there's people coming. Let's get this, you know. I didn't really panic, but it's like, something's got to happen right now, you know. They got it fixed. It didn't shake him. He started shooting. In fact, from almost something clicked in him, that his coach has been working with him, and he, start, he started shooting better than he shot ever. My point is this. Can you all figure it out? You might be that pin that's holding something else in there. You might actually be the part that got put in backwards. <laughs> you might have flipped yourself around a little bit. It shot once, and then that was it. And that, that's sometimes where we are, you know. It's like one time. We get one, we get one effort. God gets one effort out of you. And then it's like this martyr complex. I'm going to keep going. Again, you got a, you got a ramble weekend from me. But w so we went through Romans 12 last week of parts in the body, right? And hopefully you went back and read that. If you didn't, go back and read Romans 12 and see what you identify with. See what aspect of the kingdom or God's body, Christ's body in this earth you identify with. You know, is it serving? Is it giving? Is it patience? Is it whatever it is, you know? Where do you fit in the body? So purpose, your purpose, God didn't create you to do a job. God created you to be his child. But now that you're here, he has things for you that he'd like for you to do to help others experience his kingdom and help others know the inheritance that we have in Christ. And so what is that role for you? Some of you are going through difficult times right now, and you're like, I just got to get my life in order. Well, you know what? One of the greatest ways to get your life in order is love other people. Give yourself to something. Serve. I mean, I'm telling you, selfishness and self-centeredness because of the difficulties we're going through will keep you locked down and unproductive and ineffective. You don't feel ready? You're probably not. That's all right. Holy Spirit's bigger than you. Abraham, the one that God called to be the nation that would be priests over the earth, gave his wife to another man, then had sexual relations with another woman to try to fulfill God's promise his way. I mean... You think that might have messed up your life a little bit? But he course corrected, got back on track. Praise God for a faithful wife that Abraham had. Sarah, against hope, believed. Dead womb, dead man, parts, you know. <laughs> had a baby. She remained faithful. Uh, David orchestrates another man's, an, another, you know, commits adultery, 
organizes that woman's husband to be killed. David, the one whose throne will last forever. David. Now, am I saying you should, it's okay to continue in sin? Doesn't really matter? No. Paul. Do you realize that Paul was warned not to go to Jerusalem? Like if you, if you read Acts 19, 20, 21, and you see the part where he's got it, just, it's just set in his heart to go to Jerusalem and then Rome. And in fact, he avoids going to Asia because he doesn't really want to go there because he wants to go to Jerusalem. And like four different times, an angel, Agabus, the people come to Paul and they're like, and then other times it says, but God forbade us to go to Jerusalem. God, for, I'm cramming a lot. This is like its own message, but I'm cramming a lot in here. So many times the Spirit forbade Paul to go to Jerusalem, but he got it in his heart to go. And he got shipwrecked on the way. You know, did he have to experience it? Now, see, people get a little nervous about this because they think that God's absolutely controlling everything and Paul made every right decision. Well, I remind you, he was killing Christians, overseeing the death of Christians. Do you think that every single decision he made from then on was 100% following the Holy Spirit? He was a man just like us, I'm sure he made mistakes. In fact, four different times Paul was warned, don't go to Jerusalem. You know, it, it's possible that he didn't have to be arrested. He was and he remained faithful and God still, even in the midst of Paul making those poor decisions that, allowed, that got himself arrested, even though God warned him not to go to Jerusalem, God still was able to work. You know, even if you end up in prison, and you're still willing to keep your heart open and follow Him, you can, you can walk into what God still might have for you. We're getting to a point where I'm going to ask you to take a little bit of responsibility. This is not a church growth campaign. I mean, Heidi needs some help back there. Heidi's not over there, but anyway, wherever she is. She needs some help in kids' church. But that's not what this message is about. This message is a broader perspective on the kingdom of God in this earth. we got a job to do, and you have a part to play, and you're important. So, we kind of talked about culture speaking up for God's righteousness in today's culture. Righteousness means as it should be. Evil means as it ought not to be. God has a righteousness in everything. In other words, as it should be in everything. Your identity has a righteousness to it, and the spiritual aspect that God has renewed through Christ that aspect of your eternal identity is righteous. It is as it should be because of what Jesus has finished on your behalf. He was the sin offering. He has cleansed you. He has sealed you with His Spirit. He has hidden you with Christ in Him. You are seated with Him in heavenly places. You've been delivered from the power of darkness and translated into the kingdom of His dear Son. All His promises are yes and amen. His Spirit is leading you and guiding you into all truth. He's written. He's given you a new heart. He's written His laws on that new heart. I'm telling you what, you are locked tight with Jesus in the Father, one with Him forever, eternally. Don't go back on that. Amen? So that righteousness that's an aspect of your identity, as you should be, and you don't get as you should be or righteous with the Father because of your works, but it's because of what He gave to you in Christ. Now, so there, there is a righteousness in everything. In other words, there is an as it should be in everything. There is an as it should be in sexuality, in relationships, in gender, in how we organize government for as long as we have influence on this planet, how we handle our finances. There is a righteousness in every facet of our life. Every decision that you make, every part of life that you're involved in, there is a righteousness to it. There is an as it should be how God sees it to it. Now, performance-centered religion would say your status with God changes based on how righteous you apply every facet of life. And that's just not true. You are one, you are complete in Him. You are accepted and loved. Rest easy at night. Your Father loves you. Amen. And because your Father loves you and you're safe in Christ, 
you actually can yield to Him and have the empowerment to live righteously and holy in these other facets. And in fact, be a voice of righteousness in those places. And we see in this political environment, you know, and it's not that one side is righteous and the other side is evil. There are ideas and policies that are being passed, and some tend to be in one and some tend to be in the other, that we fight for and that are important. But it's not the one person that we're voting for or against, contrary to what the media might tell you, you know. It's like the last, anyway, let me keep going. <laughs> we got some food to eat. And I got some really good quotes here that I want to give you. So, so this week, that's a lot of review, but I'm going to go fast through the rest. I just want to talk about living with meaning. Let me read you some Jordan Peterson quotes. Who likes Jordan Peterson? That's good. You're going to like these. Jordan Peterson, you know, he's got some weird faith beliefs, but he's a, he's a uh, uh, clinical psychologist. And he has all kinds of lectures online. He wrote a book called 12 Rules for Life. It's very powerful, and the way that he thinks and communicates is very interesting. But what I like most about how he communicates is it's functional. It's practical. It's something that you can actually take from all of this stuff that he knows and understands about human behavior and psychology and everything, and he does mix a faith within there. And he comes out with phrases like this, and he understands what helps people tick and you know, think. So here's a couple of the things that he was talking about. These are, these are some quotes, and then I'm going to read a passage, and then we'll wrap up. He says this, It's a luxury to pursue happiness. It's a moral obligation to pursue meaning. And that's not easy. It may require sacrifice. You know, he talks about this idea that we put a lot of emphasis on being happy. Of course, that's a luxury of Western civilization, and it's in our Constitution, you know, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Praise God, we have the right to do that as much as we can. But it's a bit of a luxury. But if you want to live a life of substance where you feel a sense of accomplishment with your life, again, not trying to hit the bullseye of why God made you. God made you to be His child, but now that you're here, living a life of meaning. You know, he, there's, there's, there's uh, videos out there of him that goes pretty deep into this idea of meaning. And he just talks about this is the soul, this is the thing that you get down to that people are craving. You know, people are craving meaning. I want, not just I want my life to count, I want to live a legacy. I'm not really talking about that kind of stuff. I'm talking about where you have a reason to get out of bed. You're aiming at something. You know, you have a mark that you're trying to hit. You have life goals, and those life goals are good and pure and honest and in congruence with the kingdom of God. The things that you want for yourself and your children and your family and your, your, your friends and your nation, that those things are, that those things are productive. You know, like, like easing the suffering of people's lives type stuff where you're, you're pushing and the thing that you're putting your hand to is adding value to people's lives. Not to make God happy, although he's pleased with such effort, but because it's just fruitful within you to live with meaning. Why do you get out of bed in the morning? What are you doing? What are you doing with your life? Well, when I do this, then I'll be able to do this. You'll never do it. You just won't. Whatever you're doing now is what you're going to keep doing. So you better change what you're doing now. Amen? I mean, we lie to ourselves, and we lie to ourselves. I'm not mad at you. I'm really not mad. I'm not trying to be mean. But I'm just a little motivated that the church rise up. All right, so a couple more quotes here. Meaning is the instinct that guides you through challenges and tragedies. You know, a lot of people have the instinct of selfishness, or the preservation of happiness, or the avoidance of responsibility as their instinct. Instinct would be your set, like, so the instinct of this room is set to 72 degrees right now. And if it gets hotter, it's going to bring, that thermostat set to a set point, it's going to bring it back down or bring it back up. You know, our heart, our beliefs, where we are, our instincts are tuned 
to what we believe, what we value. And your choices unconsciously reflect those set points, those instincts that you have. Prayerfully, your instincts are influenced by the Holy Spirit. Prayerfully, the beliefs of your heart are from the Word of God, and you value what God values. So when you make decisions, especially the ones that you don't think about, they're in congruence with how God would lead you and what He values. And it's with a meaning, right? So here's another one. Meaning is most found in the adoption of responsibility. And, and, and he goes on and he makes the point, a lot of people don't feel like they have lives of meaning because they spend a lot of time avoiding responsibility. Think about that for a minute. Just think about your life. Think about your choices. How much are you avoiding responsibility? How much are you just trying to preserve happiness versus I have to pour my life into this thing because it's everything within me just I'm moved by this, right? Are, are you with me? Meaning, living for the fulfillment of this thing, knowing that you're complete in Christ you're living from a sense of identity in Christ, not trying to get to a place with God, but because who you are in Christ, living out of that, a purpose. You get to decide. God has things that he would lead and guide you into, right? So Paul's a good example of embracing responsibility and sacrifice. I think I'm ringing a little bit if you want to bring me down. I don't know who has the board over there. Um, even though he made mistakes. And I'm not going to go back into that. You can go and look at um, Romans 9. Paul talks about this burden that he has for the Jews, even though when he met, went and met with Peter and they all prayed and they all felt like God said, we're going, the original is going to the Jews. You, Paul, go to the Gentiles. But God, Paul wanted to go to the Jews and he kept, it just was on his heart Romans 9, there's a thing in there that shows his heart. Acts 19, 20, 21, you read, and Paul made these decisions, and he moved, and it ended up ending him up in jail. That's, that's kind of the tone. And then you get to this idea. Let me just read this. So this is in Philippians 3, and I'm going to start in verse 1. There's a few. We're going to read half the chapter. So talking about responsibility, meaning, living for a reason. You know, Paul was like, I mean, think about this. Paul was like, I, it, I'd rather die and go to heaven. But because it benefit y'all, I'm staying here. That sounds a little selfish, maybe the way I said it did. I, I, don't, I don't mean to impose motive in him. But he did say that, right? Didn't he say, I'd rather go to heaven, but it's expedient for you that I stay? I mean, and, and I really don't think he said that from a sense of ego, as much as it was, he understood how God worked through him. He understood his importance in the body of Christ. Are you with me? Like, I don't think he had an inflated head about it. He just knew this is my role. I, I, Sarah and I really feel like we know that for us. God, we know 100% God called us to start this particular gathering. And, and I see the fruit from it, and it's incredible. And I know how important it is. But to us, we could shut it down, go start graphic design business, probably make more money, and travel the world. But I don't really want to do that. I want to do this. I would rather be here running my mouth in front of you than in Portugal. That might, I may feel about, different about that tomorrow, but... I mean, are you with me? It's like, mm. all right. So, finally, my brethren, this is a, this is an example, and I want it to spark something within you because I trust you hear the Holy Spirit. God is smart. He knows how to speak to you. He knows where you are. You hear Him better than you think you do. I promise you, you do. You follow God accidentally all the time. You do. 
It's when we try to hear him on purpose is when we mess it up. That's a little hyperbole, but you understand what I'm saying. You are connected with him. You hear God. It's all this other junk. It's all this other junk that we get in the way that causes us to question whether or not we're following him. It, it shakes our confidence. That's why I stay out. That's why you should stay out of sin. It wrecks your confidence to hear him and follow him. It hardens your heart toward him. It desensitizes your, your spiritual senses to him. Stop it. Cut it out. Quit it. It's killing you. Your sin that you are choosing, that you think you have an excuse for, is killing you. And it's rendering you ineffective for the kingdom of God. Stop it. I'm telling you, when you live with a clear conscience, you, you, the, the devil can't touch you. He'll try. But a, a clear conscience before God is incredibly powerful. I will say generates an incredibly powerful believer. What, what, I mean, what's weighing on your conscience? Most of us feel like we're not doing enough, and we're not, because we've made such dumb decisions, and we're racked with guilt and shame that we think that God can't use us, and so we then find a theology that beats us up, and we're like, yep, that sounds right. I'm an idiot, because that preacher told me so, and God thinks that about me too. Come on. What father's going to stand in their child's face and say, you're an idiot? I swear I'm not mad. I feel like I'm... <laughs> We're good. All right, let me, let me keep going. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord, for to me to write the same things to you is not tedious, but for you it is safe. And there's, I'm not going to explain this first part, but it sets it up well. Beware of dogs, beware of evil, evil workers, beware of the mutilation. He's talking about the Pharisees that would come in and tell people, well, yeah, you can kind of follow Jesus, but you still, <clears throat> you still need to keep all these laws, especially circumcision. You know, it was kind of a big deal back then. For we are the circumcision who worship God in spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I also might have confidence in the flesh. So, in other words, he's going to give his credentials of why he could have had confidence in the flesh. If anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh... I more so circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, concerning the law, a Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. I give 10%. I go to church every week. I get up early and I pray. I memorize scripture all the time. I help my neighbor carry in her groceries. I don't squish cockroaches. I mean, that's how ridiculous we get with it. I am a good person because I did this. This is just credentials of self-righteousness. But what things were gained to me, those I have counted for loss in Christ. He gave everything. This, this is what's in my heart, is to ask you, are you all in with following Jesus? In some circles, that's, you got to go into the ministry, and that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about in your sphere, in your life, are you all in? Is he the most important thing? Is following him and knowing who you are and the kingdom agendas that God might have put in your heart, are those the most important things? It doesn't mean that you don't get to enjoy life and have fun. You know, I would imagine that Paul still had fun, did things that he wanted to do, right? We get to do that kind of stuff. God created this earth for us to have relationships and enjoy it and have fun. I mean, otherwise, he'd just make it like concrete and bricks, right? It's beautiful, it's inspiring to go sit in nature and look. He made it like that. Why? Because it brings him pleasure to watch us enjoy what he created for us. Enjoy your life. But are you, are you all in on Jesus? Don't forget you're complete in him. You're safe in his kingdom. You're his child. Do you understand all that? Not trying to make him happy to give you things or 
keep from making him angry to withhold things. What things were gain, I counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. Now, this word rubbish, it's, it's, it's funny, because if you look it up, it, they're trying to be careful with how they explain, explain it, but it's like borderline profanity. It's like the word crap, and maybe even a little bit worse. He's like, all this stuff that I've done, it is crap. I, would, I performed well here, and I did this, and I did this, and it's crap. I get it. You don't like that word, but that's the point that he's making. All of that stuff, it stinks. It's what they dumped out in the streets that killed thousands and thousands of people in the plague. That stuff. That stuff that we did in our own self-righteousness that we think keeps God happy. And let me just tell you this. If you think God's upset with you because you sin, it's the same mindset. You are self-righteous. Kind of sounds like you're saying it's okay to sin. Grow up. That's all I got to say about that. And be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him. Like, like every day, is this a value in your life? Do I know him? And, and, it's, and it's joyful for you. You know, it's not, oh, I didn't talk to him today. I better go pray. I don't mean that. I mean like you miss him. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. You might suffer. Now, we're not talking about stepping on a nail on a work site or divorce or a flat tire on your way to catch an airplane. I'm not talking about that kind of suffering. I'm talking about persecution for your faith. That, that's the only kind of suffering God sanctions in Scripture. I challenge you, go look it up. People think that we should just embrace all adversity and all suffering because it all teaches us holiness. That's crap. <laughs> it just is. Go look. Go look up every facet of suffering in Scripture and you will only find the only kind of suffering that God sanctions is for the persecution of your faith. Everything else, he wants you walking in abundance, joy, full of hope and faith. Yes. I challenge you, go look it up. And so, you know, uh, I think I may have left out half of this passage where it talks about I press forward toward the mark of the prize of the high calling in him, leaving those things which are behind, I press on. So, you know, some of y'all, it's time to do that. Leave the past behind. Those excuses that you have that are good excuses that keep you unproductive, time to let them go. They're not serving you. They're not serving people. They're not serving God. They're excuses they may feel valid, and they might be, but it's time to let them go. Are you all in on Jesus? Are you, you know, in other words, back to this meaning thing. When you get out of bed in the morning, is it, I've, this is just, it's just in me to move toward this. And every decision that I make is affected by this thing that is a kingdom goal or a kingdom baby in me growing that I've just got to keep going, right? So, a couple of questions for you. Are you, are you embracing your responsibilities? Again, back to this idea of meaning. Uh, if, if something that you're moving toward really means something to you, you will not avoid the difficulty and the challenge. If you're living intentionally with a purpose from meaning towards something, 
a kingdom meaning, then you'll, you'll face anything with and you'll welcome it. That, that's the mentality when these guys talk about embracing suffering. That's what they're talking about. They're like, I have found something worth living for, and that's Jesus and his purposes and his intent and his kingdom. And I will go through anything to spread the good news of his kingdom, that he came to set the captives free, set at liberty them that are bruised, bring the restoration of all things. God is working, and are we collaborating with him? Or are we just trying to be happy? I'm not saying God doesn't want you happy. That's what blessed means, happy. How you doing, brother? I'm blessed. Well, you look kind of depressed to me. So just general responsibilities, like the things that you know that you need to do, are you embracing those things? And then this one, are you embracing your kingdom responsibilities? Well, God, if you just tell me what to do, I'd do it. Well, come on. Take some time. Like we claim confusion, but do we really take time to just go sit with the Word of God? You know, I went through this series a few, few weeks ago the Colossians thing where it's talking about put your, give, the, give the written word an opportunity to become the living word for you. And I'm not talking about going into the Bible to try to hear God, but it's like, it's like you're tuning yourself so that you stop uh, restricting His movement in your own heart. Does that make sense? You know, it's like you're not trying to keep Him happy. You're not trying to figure out what you're supposed to do per se. You're just coming into alignment with how he thinks. And the more that you come in to let go of your own ideas and opinions and you, you pursue this knowing him and you allow that to be birthed within you and then like Paul, you are moved, Jesus, like Jesus, you're moved with compassion. I'm not saying you got to quit your job. I'm not saying you got to whatever. It's not even really about external actions. It's what's going on in you. Where are you with Jesus? Are you, do you have something that you're living for that's worth dying for? And I, I'm being kind of serious, you know. I mean, I'm dead serious, but maybe a little bit more aggressive than normally. <laughs> I don't know. And then this is a question. What are your kingdom responsibilities? What are kingdom responsibilities in general? Romans 12 Go back through. I'm telling you, do your homework. You want to take this thing seriously? Go back. This is one thing you can do. Go back, look at Romans 12, read through it. Where, what do you identify out of that list? What do you identify with? What is God moving within you saying? Where are you in his body? What are the things that he is swaying you and calling you to do within his body? And if you don't know, call me. Honestly. I'm not your answer. I'm not going to tell you, but I can maybe sit down and work with you and help you walk through these things. And don't just, you know, tell somebody else to tell me and an email. Let's go sit face to face and get serious about this thing. If you want to live a life with meaning, if you want to pursue something worth dying for, that is the purposes of God in your heart with, within his kingdom, you know, let's get busy being about his kingdom. I see people willing to get their teeth knocked out for a Trump rally. Did you see that? I don't know if you saw that. It's like a picture in the news. An article came across my feed. These guys out in San Francisco, pro-Trump rally, and they were also protesting Twitter banning free speech, essentially. Uh, and Antifa knuckleheads show up, and this guy with a Trump shirt on got his teeth knocked out because he had on a Trump shirt. Now, I'm not saying pro-Trump, although I'm voting for the guy, just so you know. Uh, but people are willing to stand out and take a beating for a man. Are, do you hear me? What, what are we doing? I, I, I'm not trying to put a little tight little bow on this and tell you exactly what you're supposed to do. I pray that you open your heart to the Holy Spirit even right now in this moment that you open your heart to the Holy Spirit, that you make yourself an open vessel to be molded and shaped by the potter 
so that you allow yourself to be inspired by his spirit to live a life of purpose and meaning. And you quit playing around. My goodness, some of y'all got 45-year-old excuses. And you can be delivered like that and transition into a life like Paul and Abraham and all these guys, you know. I mean, I would imagine they were probably feeling pretty crummy about, crummy about themselves, some of these decisions that they made. You know, David wanted to kill himself. So let's stand up. And let's just give the Holy Spirit place for just a moment. Father, we thank you. We just, we, we just acknowledge you. Be lifted high in this place in our hearts, and we pray in this nation, in this world. And for us individually, uh, we want to take your leading Seriously, we, we want to give our lives to those things that you would put in our hearts and call us to. We do it from a place of completeness in Christ. We do it from a place of knowing that we are accepted in you. But because your kingdom is so great, your gospel is so good that we have to let people know how good you are. We're all in, Jesus. We are all in. And, and we, some things we don't know how to do and change and fix, but you know what? You know how to lead us and guide us. So I am willing to trust you, Holy Spirit, in my life to lead me, and I am willing to make those changes as you give me the grace to make those changes, and you're always giving me the grace. And just think about your greatest excuse for just a minute. I don't always like to think about negative things, but think about your greatest excuse. Well, I made this mistake. Well, I have this problem that I just can't get free from. Well, I did this in my past. Right now, I am stealing from my job. I am going through a divorce. I am, can't wait to get out of here so I can go do drugs. I am, can't wait to get out of here so I can text the person that I'm having an adulterous relationship with. You know, all of that stuff, you can walk right out of that stuff. God has not given up on you. People, God uses people that have made mistakes, including you. But he does want you giving up those excuses and walking out of them. Just open your heart to him for just a moment. Jesus, I trust you. Tell him you trust him. Just worship him for just a moment. I trust you, Lord. I thank you, Holy Spirit, for your power, your strength in my inner man. I want to live a life of meaning and purpose that brings glory to you and your name. I want to live a life that is congruent with your values. The righteousness that you've given me, I want to live well of that salvation. And I'll let go of my excuses. It will be a daily thing for me to know you because as I know you, your fruit, your word bears fruit within me. I trust you, Lord. I trust you, Lord. I am open to you. Lead me and guide. Just tell him, lead me and guide me. I will make the changes necessary in me to follow you. As hard as they may be, I will take hold of your grace to experience transformation, to live a life of meaning and purpose. I trust you, Lord. I love you, Lord. Father, we just thank you for all the prayer needs that um, are in this place. You know what we need before we ever even ask. God, I thank you that your promises are true and sure in Christ. I speak life and health and abundance over every person in this place. I thank you that you're giving us the grace to take responsibility with the, of those kingdom purposes that you're placing within us. I thank you that we're all committed to you. Thank you that you're giving us your wisdom and your strength. Thank you that we are at peace with you. Father, I want to be motivated and moved by your love for people. 
Just thank you that all your promises are yes and amen in this place. Amen. amen. Well, I, I, I want to encourage you to write, like take some notes, think about what this, you know. So read through Romans 12 again. See where, see which one of those in that list identifies with where you feel like you are. And then ask yourself, what am I living for? What are these things that I'm, what are these kingdom purposes that I'm moving for? Read through Romans 12, identify with one of those in that list, and then identify a kingdom purpose. You know, and that might take some time, I realize that. But you can do it. You have the Holy Spirit and you have His Word and you can use those, you can expose yourself to those things and you can be that productive Jesus follower. Amen? 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 And love people and be generous along the way, honestly. You know, we, we need, I mean, how many of you really believe we need to be in another building where we can have actual classes and courses and things going on? Wave at me. That's about half of you. Or that's more than half of you. Don't just wave at me because I'm asking you to wave at me. But, you know, if you have a purpose for this message and what we're wanting to do and pe people are being added into this body. Like, God showed me this. There are about 100 people in this community that are aware of this place and they're sitting in their churches waiting for their pastor to start preaching grace and the finished work. And I think God's telling them, it might even be you sitting there online waiting for your church to change. It ain't going to change. Come on. Let's be about the gospel. Amen. So be generous. You know, be generous because you've purposed in your heart to participate in spreading this gospel. Not because you're worried if God's going to withhold from you if you're not generous. He's already given you everything in Christ. But be generous because it teaches your heart to follow Him. Amen? Yes. You can put up that slide of how to give. There's a box back there. You can give online. If you don't give online, give some way. Amen? Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. And thank you to those of you who support Forward Ministries financially. You truly are changing the way the world sees God. You're helping people detox from performance-based religion and experience God's love for them. We're committed to helping you renew your mind so you'll experience transformation and move forward in every area of your life. I pray you're making this hard journey. Visit my website at clintbyers.com for hundreds of free teachings and articles that will empower you to renew your mind and put on your eternal identity in Christ. I'm especially excited about my tools for transformation that have original music and modern technology designed to help you slow down and connect with the Spirit of God in your heart. I'd like to invite you to partner with Forward Ministries. Help us continue to spread the gospel and develop resources that are empowering people to grow in their identity in Christ. Thank you again for joining me. I pray God's blessings and promises over you and your family today.